Hello and welcome back to the podcast Discipleship in Challenging Times. My name is Peter Morden and I'm from Cornerstone Baptist Church in Leeds. Today's episode is entitled Catastrophe and as we read our verses I think that you'll see why. The passage is 2 Samuel 11 verses 1 to 17. We pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. And as we come today to a distressing passage in your word, we pray that you would bring your peace into our hearts. And we ask too that you would help us to live holy lives in the power of the Spirit. Lord, we recognise afresh that holiness is not starchy and miserable. Rather, holiness is deeply attractive and wonderful. True holiness avoids us damaging the lives of others and damaging our own lives. And so today, grow holiness in us, we pray, as we come to your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. So 2 Samuel 11 and beginning at verse 1 in the New International Version. This is headed David and Bathsheba. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his palace. From the roof he saw a woman washing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messages to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace, and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master's servants and did not go down to his house. David was told Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, Haven't you just come from a military campaign? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my commander Joab and my lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. 
Then David said to him, Stay here one more day, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. At David's invitation he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk. But in the evening Uriah went out to sleep on on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. In the morning David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it he wrote, Put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw from him so that he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. We talked in a previous episode about God's people in God's place under God's rule and how that was the model that God set up but which then began to unravel because of the behaviour of God's people and the behaviour of the Lord's anointed. Here we see that unravelling taking place. David, the anointed king, commits adultery and compounds it with murder. Spiritual writers talk about the three great temptations as being money, sex and power. And certainly the last two are in operation here. Sex, obviously, but power also. The king has great power. And although this was never God's will for his anointed king, the king here basically does what he wants. He sees and he takes. And maybe money is involved here as well. The three great temptations, because David really should have been off with his army fighting. But he has stayed at home. He is in his palace. He is enjoying his wealth. And so he falls into temptation. Money and sex and power. These are temptations for us. These are ways that we can fall. Perhaps this reading is acting as a warning to you. Don't trip up in these days. Don't let money lead you into sin. Use sex in the way that God intended. And be careful of the dangers of power. As someone once said, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And so don't fall into the traps that are set by money and sex and power. What happens after this? Is David forgiven? Well, we see that he is. We see that in 2 Samuel as the book unfolds. And we see that in Psalm 51, the prayer that David prays as he repents and he turns back to God. If you have sinned, even in these terrible ways, the amazing message of the gospel 
is that there is free and full forgiveness. But sin still has its consequences. And this is something that we don't always think about. In this particular instance, as the story unfolds, the son who is born to David and Bathsheba dies. And the kingdom is torn apart from this point on. Another son of David, Absalom, dies. The kingdom is divided. There is grief, there is anguish for David himself And the model of God's people in God's place under God's rule begins to unravel. Ultimately, God works through this. And a son born to David and Bathsheba, Solomon, becomes the next king. Nevertheless, David's sin, forgiven freely as it is, still has consequences. And again, this is a warning sign to us. If we do commit sins of this type, yes, we can be forgiven, but yes, also, there will be consequences for us, as perhaps justice takes its course. The challenge again, the encouragement, the invitation is to press on in holy living, to avoid the catastrophe that we see unfolding here. Sin messes up people's lives. It really does. The lives of others and our own lives. There is God's grace and forgiveness for us because we always fail. But the consequences will often remain. What better incentive is there to press on in a life of holiness that glorifies our God? May we do that in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen. We come to our God in prayer. Lord, we recognise today with heavy hearts the temptations of money and of sex and of power. We think of the scripture that says, The one who thinks that they stand, take heed, lest you fall. Lord, we don't want to depend on our own strength, but on your strength and mighty power. We are weak, but you are strong. So, Lord, come and strengthen us, that we might resist temptation in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that we might live positive, light-filled lives, faithful lives, for you. Help us not to pursue money for selfish reasons, rather help us to use it in your service. Help us to celebrate sex but to do so in the way that you intend within marriage. And help us to be aware of the dangers of power. Yes, Lord, power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. May we use the power that we have for the benefit of others. And may we also always be aware of its dangers. So, Lord, we lift our prayers to you today and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.